Welcome to episode 18 of the Demand Better Podcast. We are lucky enough to be joined by Dr. Lane Martin of the world-famous Gelb Institute. We're gonna jump into it here in a second, but I just really, really wanna emphasize how cool of an episode this is and how great it was to connect with one of Corona's former clients here who is in the exact process of why we started this podcast of demanding better from the dental field. He had made a lot of the mistakes and we're able to learn from his mistakes in terms of missing some basic concepts of not assessing the airway and how folks are getting treated in their dentist practice. So if you are a dentist, we would love to hear from you on this topic. If you haven't had your teeth cleaned in a little while and gotten a checkup, time to go do that. This is your friendly reminder. Don't forget to floss today too. And if you have a minute, share this with at least one person you think will benefit from it. Leave a writing, writing, leave a rating review. I'm not even gonna edit that out. Um, But without further ado, let's jump into it with Dr. Lane Martin. Here we are. We are live, but not live because we're going to air this later. But go ahead, Corona. <laughs> Welcome back to the Demand Better Podcast, where we are your consumer's guide in the health, fitness, and wellness space. I am your host, Corona, and I am joined by Dr. Bo Babenko in Superior, Colorado. And today we are joined by Dr. Lane Martin, who works at the famous Gelb Institute. He is a dentist. And to give full disclosure, a dear friend of mine, an ex-client, and one of the best people you're going to meet. Lane, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be part of it. We're excited to have you. And FYI, we are sponsored by Fit Care Physiotherapy and Wellness, where the idea is to focus on your wealth and your fitness so you can avoid the healthcare space. Today's topic, sleep. Episode 12 for us was sleep. We have an expert in sleep in Dr. Martin. He goes by Lane. We're going to affect, we're going to call him Lane because he's family. And uh, let's talk about some sleep and how to get better sleep and what we can do to make our lives a little bit better so we can recover from day-to-day activities and be, be more, have more longevity going forward. Go ahead. Hit it off, Bo. So I'm going to do the recap. I, I stalked you as soon as Corona sent this out. Listen to all the fun Dr. Lane Martin stuff out there. So former Navy, right? Uh, got into dentistry, realized there was a lot of... 98. That's as going back, back when the Yankees were glorious. All right. Um, we were just talking a little Yankees Mets trash before we, we jumped on here. So uh, then uh, you were in more of the, uh, what's the term? Traditional dentistry, but not traditional... Uh, restorative, restorative. Yeah, I knew, reconstructive, I was, restorative. Yes, and then uh, just to, to give, and I'll let you tell it in your own words, but I wanted to to, to give the the summary as best I can, just from uh, being doing my research here. So then uh, you realize there was a huge missing component to seeing a lot of these folks and kind of treating the symptoms and not treating the root cause of some of the issues, and unfortunately, a few folks. Uh, passed away from from sleep apnea and having trouble with some of these deeper health issues that uh, connects to a lot of the things we talk about here at the Demand Better podcast. We're saying, hey, the healthcare system is great and all for certain things, but there's a lot more we can do. So it sounds like you found that path. Uh, and I've heard you talk a bunch about getting folks more 
understanding about this underlying root cause where the airway is really the, the, the heart of it. And a lot of dentists out there are missing this very, very crucial thing. So that's, that's my summary of what I've seen of you. And, uh, and, and at the world famous Gelb Institute, Dr. Gelb, um, Dr. You know, you Michael, talk about Gelb. Michael Gelb, uh, you can talk about that a little bit. So, uh, but that's, before, that's my summary. What did I miss? Go ahead. Corona, what did before I miss? you go on, I just, I just want to want to be perfectly clear. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Dr. Gelb. I've worked with Dr. Gelb. I've had the pleasure of working with Lane also. Lane is right up our alley because we see things in the healthcare where they're doing, they're not doing, they're not doing preventative care. They're doing symptom care. And that's kind of like what's happening, I believe, in the dentist industry and with everything. The death of expertise in our country of people just trying to be generalists when we really need people to come in. That's why we have Lane here. And that's why I think Lane's right in our pocket um, in terms of what our focus is in trying to help people to cut through all the, the BS that's out there and all the other nonsense that's out there that people are pushing so that people take the wrong choices. Lane, the floor is yours, my friend. Thanks, guys. So, Bo, I appreciate that intro. David was my trainer and it really, really made a big difference in terms of my fitness, my posture. Obviously, as a dentist, that, that was a big, big problem for so many of us. So I really consider David a friend, family, someone that I've referred a lot of people to. So, you know, my story is an interesting one. And so I received a scholarship from the U.S. Navy for dental school. Uh, amazing career in the military. Got out of the Navy. Had $2,020 in my bank account. I put my name up on the door in Manhattan and crossed my fingers. And soon after, I was treating celebrities and socialites at this practice on Fifth Avenue. And things were great. I, I kind of thought I was hot shit. And, <laughs> and then uh, I met my buddy, Victor Avis, who I taught with. And every time we would discuss these complex dental cases, Victor would always say, I bet you they have an airway problem. Next case, I bet you they have an airway problem. And I was like, man, this guy is getting on my nerves. I love him. But I'm like, dude, what's this airway crap? So after about the 50th time, I said, all right, explain to me this airway thing. And he starts to explain it to me. And next thing I know, I'm doing an airway residency with, a, with an airway orthodontist in New Jersey, a guy named Barry Raphael. And it was crystal clear that the things that I saw every day in my dental practice, which every dentist sees every day, was the sign of a bigger problem, an airway problem. And I missed it. I missed it for 15 years. And I was really sick of missing it. And I walked home from work one day. I stopped on Madison Avenue and 59th Street, and I literally broke down in tears. I was on the corner crying. And the next day I walked into my office, I pulled my office manager, Sharice, aside and I said, all right, I'm selling the practice. I'm going all in on this airway thing. And just like that, 45 years old, back in school doing orthodontics and craniofacial orthopedics to treat snoring and sleep apnea. To your point, Bo, I wanted to learn how to fix the problem and not the symptom. Yeah. And... So I'm in my ortho program. I'm like, all right, I'm going to save the world, right? Like that was my mentality. And I thought I could fix the problem. And then I got a phone call in 2019 from a friend of mine 
my friend Ellie told me that a patient of mine died, Ron. He was 55, he died of heart failure. But I saw it when I treated him, right? I knew this guy had sleep apnea and he had all the signs and symptoms. He snored, high blood pressure, acid reflux, broken teeth. And I told him to go get a sleep test and he never went and now he's gone. So at that point, I was like, all right, I'm going to go become boarded in sleep. Because if it happened in my dental office, it's, it's happening in every dental office in the country. And I needed to spread the word on what you guys are doing and what we're trying to do. So I became boarded in sleep. Things were great in my program. And then eight months ago, I'm jogging on the beach in Florida. I get a phone call from another friend. My buddy Dave died. 40 years old, two small kids, same signs and symptoms as Ron. Snored, high blood pressure, acid reflux, broken teeth. That's when I knew. I'm like, I, it's not enough just to let every dentist know. We need to create a paradigm shift in medicine, dentistry, fitness to start fixing these problems and noticing like people have an airway problem. They're not sleeping. They're, you know, everyone's clenching and grinding. And what we were taught in dental school, guys, was the wrong thing. People are like, oh, it's stress. Yeah, it's stress from suffocating. And, you know, today I've invented a mouthpiece with my partner, Michael Gelb. We have a pillow. And really why I love talking to you guys is that it's fitness, right? Because think about it. People don't, like, I, I, people see their dentist more than they see their physician, right? I had patients that hadn't had a physical in years. People probably see you guys all the time. And I'm sure you asked, when's the last time you had a physical? And they're like, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Well, you know what? These people are right in front of you. And when you take an intake, and I know you guys do it because you do it at a higher level. But it's really what you're doing is like what I'm doing for dentists. You have to do in the fitness world. You have to spread the word that like airway sleep. And, and I said it in our outline. It's a bi-directional relationship. Airway, exercise. Those are two pillars that are really important. I think even more so than nutrition. So I'm really excited to talk to you guys because I think that it's almost a way to change the fitness world and change the face of fitness and have every single person that's a trainer, that's a coach, that's dealing with athletic teams to focus on airway and sleep and really improve performance. That's our brand. Our brand performance is improve work, play, and sleep. So, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate it. I know that was a long intro, but I, I just wanted to kind of get our message out there. We, listen, man, I, I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of kick this off. Um, and I appreciate, listen, listen, man, I really appreciate you taking time. I know you're, you're moving. There's a lot going on in your life right now. You're going to start traveling, speaking in the world. But let's 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 start with that fitness component because that's my wheelhouse. Um, there's a lot of trainers out there, my friend, who who have certifications and stuff like that. And they don't talk about sleep. They don't take an, they don't take an evaluation. They don't they don't do anything. Okay, so let's talk about the fitness component. And and with the way you guys see it, the importance of that within your practice. So it's a great point, David. And 
when I said it's bi-directional, it's, it's someone that's overweight and is obese going to have an airway problem? Most likely, yes, because men, we gain a lot of weight in our neck, right? So we're going to tend to have airway issues. And for me, I have, not you, Bo, <laughs> and not Corona. You two guys are too good looking. But if you, but so much of it is also, so when we talk about airway and sleep, David, there's three components to it. And Bo alluded to it. It starts with your nose. It's nasal patency, it's breathing, it's efficient breathing. Then the next thing we look at is soft tissue. So tonsils, adenoids, tongue. And then what the reason I went into ortho was anatomy. So there's three parts, it's multifactorial. Now, someone that has an airway issue, are they gonna be able to go and exercise and be efficient at the gym? Probably not, right? And the other thing is if you look at the research, it's showing that a lot of people that do exercise, obviously the benefits of exercise are you're gonna lose weight, right? You're gonna decrease inflammation because inflammation is a huge part of it. So inflammation in terms of when I, when I said before about those two patients, what did they have? They snored which means they had a, really a soft tissue problem and also a narrowed airway. They had acid reflux, which very interesting. In New York, every one of my patients was on a protein pump inhibitor. They were on Nexium or Prilosec, everyone. And everyone's been diagnosed with acid reflux, but really it's a lot of times it's an airway problem. And, and the way I describe it is something called the Bernoulli effect, where if you've ever stayed in a hotel and you turn the shower on, what happens? The shower curtain gets sucked in, right? It creates a vacuum. So if you have a really narrow airway, it causes suction and your stomach contents come up. So a lot of people that have acid reflux or people that you see that are like, <clears throat> that have to clear their throat a lot, it's an airway problem. And that's why they're on all these meds. So to your point, it's not a healthcare system. It's a sick care system. Yeah, that's yeah. what we're in. But, but the exercise is such a huge, huge part of it. We were talking about the, the podcast by Peter Atalia. I mean, that's great. I listen to his stuff all the time. And he talks more about exercise and sleep than nutrition. And it's very interesting because I don't know if you remember when I started training with you, I asked you about nutrition and you're like, listen, you eat what you want. That's basically what you told me. I mean, to, to an extent, but you're like, I'm not going to tell you what to eat, which I thought was really interesting. Fast forward. Now you look in and we listen to these podcasts and you listen to the research. It's really exercise and sleep. And I, and I think they're bi-directional. So obviously I know that was a long answer to a short question. It's bi-directional. So the better you sleep, the better your airway is, the better you're going to perform, the better you're going to be at the gym, the more energy you're going to have, the better immune response you're going to have, the, the less inflammation you're going to have. Yeah. Super, super important. That's great. Dude, dude, it's great information. Bo. So, yeah, with all that said, I should try to bring it to a little bit of a practical piece. And again, I've heard you speak a lot. Uh, 
I want to ask, how does breathing exercise factor in? Because uh, either it got lost in a lot of the podcasts I've heard of you, <laughs> or uh, I just I, I want I really want to confirm my own bias of the thing that I do, <laughs> which is uh, assess folks breathing right away. So uh, it sounds like you're jumping ahead to like let's use this tool to make sure you are opening up the airway and you are breathing versus the kind of the harder path of uh, learning to breathe properly with, again, someone like myself or Corona, which we can probably teach you, anyone listening, how to breathe properly better. Uh, so where, where does breathing fit in? And what what is the, again, and, and uh, you know, we know Dr. Gelb got shouted out by James Nestor uh, on the Joe Rogan podcast. So uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff to the breathing piece. And it sounds like we're probably on the same page, but I just wanted to, to lay that piece out about uh, breath work and where you think that fits in. I love the question because I think it's the most important thing out of airway and, and it's nasal breathing. And if you read the book breath, like you were talking about nasal breathing is not only healthier, it's more efficient. And I'll allude to it, but if you watch the people that win the marathon and you watch them run, they run with their mouths closed. They are the most efficient breathers. They're averaging about four and a half minutes a mile for 26.2 miles. And it's all breath work. And whether you're doing Buteco breathing, you're doing work with Patrick McEwen, Wim Hof, it's all about nasal breathing and it's all about breathing through this thing. Because so many of us are mouth breathers, which is not efficient. We're breathing too much. We're breathing too fast. And not only that, when you breathe through your nose, the air gets filtered. It gets humidified. You produce what's called nitric oxide, which kind of opens up blood vessels, decreases inflammation. When you breathe through your mouth, your first line of defense for the most part of your tonsils, which is just collecting gunk. People's tongue posture is bad. So it's all about nasal breathing. So even if someone's on a CPAP, even if someone's getting our appliance, even, whatever it is, if you can't breathe through this thing, game over. And not only that, this is the narrowest part of your airway. So if you look at the skulls of cavemen, and James Nestor talks about that in his book, I mean, these cavemen were horizontal growers. They had these huge jaws, right? And if you look at us now, we're all pushed back. No one has room for 32 teeth. Everyone needs their wisdom teeth out. Man, I, I'm a perfect example. And it all starts with breastfeeding because breastfeeding helps form your craniofacial complex. So that, that helps form your upper jaw and your lower jaw. And also eating hard foods does the same thing. So you see these kids, we're born as obligate nasal breathers becoming mouth breathers is really a habit so it's now we have to like almost work backwards for me i just had orthodontics again i had crappy orthodontics as a kid and if you my jaws are really pushed back so now we had to like expand but the very interesting thing bo was that i just had a palatal expander at the age of 46 years old and what happens is if you think about it the roof of your mouth is the floor of your nose 
So if you have this high vaulted palate, which so many of us do, our upper jaws are really deficient. It's taking up real estate. Let me see, tilt your head back. You look pretty good, not bad. <laughs> Corona's <laughs> narrow though. Corona's narrow. He's, you can tell by the way he smiles. We gotta get him in, we'll do some work on him. But it he, all stems he, from that. So well, one, real, real quick, I do, I do practice a lot of nasal breathing and I have a feeling Corona does not. I'm just gonna go ahead and throw that down on the ground. I just challenged him. We're starting slow with Corona cause he's, he's, a, he's a stubborn old man. Um, and, <laughs> and I got him to do 30 days of 30 minutes of squatting, which he was very resistant to. Uh, but he, you know, begrudgingly did it cause I, I twisted his, his foot on it and, uh, he, he saw the benefits. So the next thing, the next challenge Corona is going to be, That's fine. uh, nasal breathing. That's going to so, be our, our big next challenge. So my, my next question, as I, I also went into your archives and started listening to your stuff and we started talking about snoring and we started talking about kids. And you basically have told, from all the stuff I've, I've heard, you basically said, if we catch it early, these kids will have a long, a much better longevity period as they get older and they'll develop better, correct? Absolutely. I think it's one of the factors. Okay. The other, and that's for kids, right? Longevity, though, for people our age, I think is exercise. Well, we, and we, that's but, where you guys... Yeah, sorry. Well, we always say there's there's a saying that we have here that Bo quoted, which is muscle is the organ of longevity. You need to lift weights. I'm just talking about we're talking about this breathing issue, and you're saying we can catch it early in kids and change this at a very Absolutely. very very base at a baseline place, like right with so, right at the beginning. So no child, and and if a parent's listening to this, no child should snore or grind their teeth. If a child is snoring, they have an airway problem. Now the airway problem could be stemming from a couple of things. It could be their tonsils and adenoids, which a lot of times it is. But even if they get their tonsils and adenoids out, they could still have a problem because of an anatomical issue where their jaws are pushed back and their vertical growers this way. So if you ever see people, and, and now as adults, they smile and you see like a ton of gum tissue, Napoleon dynamite, right? Like very long face. Those are vertical growers. They're mouth breathers. So in kids, if you intervene early in a kid, instead of waiting for a kid to become 11 and 12, get them to an ENT and an orthodontist ASAP at the age of four, five, six. The problem is at the age of three, four, and five, our tonsils and adenoids are the largest and our jaws are the smallest. So that's when kids are really in trouble because it's all about brain development. 80% of their brain development is done by the age of five. So that's why all these kids are diagnosed with ADD. Every kid's on Adderall and Ritalin. And, and it's not necessarily a cognitive or behavior issue. It's more of an airway issue. Then when what happens is a sick kid is going to become a sick adult. Because I was that kid. I was super hyper. I was really short. So that's the other thing. If you see an 11 year old and they look like they're five, that kid probably has an airway problem, failure to thrive. Yeah. And I'll jump in and say, I have a, a nonprofit up in Maine called Physiology First. And they're trying to, I don't know if you heard of these guys, um, but they're trying to push the envelope on, especially exactly what you said. It just triggered it for me because a lot of high school kids, ADD, the diagnosis or ADHD, 
uh, getting put on medication. They're saying physiology first, learn how to breathe, learn how to control your body. And uh, I believe I also heard it with Andrew Huberman, who's, who's, uh, who's out there. You mentioned Peter Atia. These guys I know all talk about this. And uh, what they basically said, I think it was Huberman who I'll give credit to for this quote is, before you give out a driver's license to a 17-year-old or 15-year-old, whatever uh, state you're in, uh, you should give them a breathing license because if they can learn how to breathe, if they can control that anxiety level, we're talking about behavioral change, like you're saying. It's not just... Uh, and that's going to start to affect the, the the physiology, the anatomy, all these things. So it starts to change that structure. Again, James Nestor talks about this. Sounds like you're kind of on the same path. So I just want to make sure uh, we're all on the same page <laughs> to, that, that we're saying the same thing. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like that's something that uh, definitely ties into all this. And the real quick thing I'll say about nasal breathing, Corona, this is what you're going to do in the month of September. That's going to be the challenge is uh, we're going to start with five minutes of walking with just nasal breathing and see what that feels like. And for most people, that's difficult and it's not tolerable as, as easy as it sounds. The, uh, the next thing we'll do is put you on a bike and say, go at a pace where you can keep moving and not have to feel like you have to breathe out of your mouth. Uh, then we'll go to the high intensity piece at some point and say, do as many pushups as you can, but you can only allow it to breathe through your nose. And that's going to completely change some dynamics there. So that's, that's the real quick, uh, my little spiel on all that. Um, but coming back to, to, to you, uh, Lane, is, and the dentist piece of it is. Can we, can we do what? Can I interrupt you for one second? So, so, Lane, when you're dealing with finding somebody, a dentist in terms of a kid, what would you suggest that people look for? So if right now, really look to talk to your pediatric dentist. If you don't go to a pediatric dentist, your general dentist or an orthodontist. If your child is having any of those issues, ADD, ADHD, bedwetting, cognitive issues, behavior issues, failure to thrive, you know, they start asking the questions to your provider about airway and sleep. And if that dentist can't answer it, then find someone else who can. Because the problem is, like us, we, they just missed it. Right. Like I, I had bad orthodontics as a kid and now I'm suffering as an adult. I'm a fit guy. I snore. I need coffee all the time. I was dragging ass by the end of the day. Once I had orthodontics now as an adult, I feel better. Not only that, to Bo's point, when we talk about nasal breathing, it's also about tongue posture. So if you get your tongue to the roof of your mouth, your tongue almost acts as a natural expander. It's you're going to get some expansion there. You're going to breathe better. So we almost have a protocol. I spoke to a woman today that was, she's like, oh yeah, I have this high vaulted palate. I'm snoring. And she works for a dental company that treats it. So I said to her, I said, you got to start breathing through your nose because it could be, you could have the best orthodontics in the world and you could have the best appliances, but if this thing isn't working, you're screwed. So what we do is I tell every patient to use, one of these things every day it's a neti stick and what i do is morning at night i do this 10 seconds each nostril and then i use clear nasal spray x-l-e-e-r e-a-r it's just xylitol and saline and it's just a way to kind of open up my nasal passages now when i sleep i use what's called mute nasal scent so remember breathe right shifts that athletes wore 
it's breathe right strips on steroids. What it does is it just opens this up. So if you do this, this is called a caudal maneuver. If you, it's what a breathe right strip does. If you pull each side and take a deep breath through your nose, you're going to see it, it's a, it's a big difference one nostril to the other. So that's basically what it is. And that's what we're talking about is being able to breathe through your nose. It's all about breathing. So I want to jump back to my world and your world and connecting our, our universes in the multiverse of madness here and the MCU <laughs> that we're going to form and all that. Um, all seriousness, I definitely want to jump into TMJ issues. And I know uh, Dr. Geld is considered one of the, the, the world's leading experts on this. And I'm curious how, how this all plays in. But the other piece to a lot of what you're talking about and what I hope would pique some folks' interest listening is from my perspective, a lot of folks with neck issues, right? Not getting the neck stronger. And again, we're talking in this modern world where we're all kind of hunched forward. And I always mess with the camera here. And where, where we're all kind of going forward and you go to your chiropractor and they say, well, we just need to adjust this and we need to get you out of, you know, leaning your head forward, forward head posture. Uh, text neck is, is all these terms. So uh, a lot of what I've worked with, and it's amazing to me, people have tried everything for 10 years or 15 years, and they're going to end up having neck surgery. And I say, hey, let's let's just do a quick assessment. And no one's actually shown them how to use the muscles of their mouth, of their neck. And again, you triggered a lot of this for my brain with the piece of the tongue, because when I work on deep neck flexors, which is like the difference between yes. understanding how to use your core of doing a sit-up where you use these big sternocleidomastoid muscles versus if you understand how to use your deep neck flexors, you need to engage that tongue on, on the top of your mouth or the back of your teeth. And that gets the multifidus muscles, all these fancy terms we'll throw out there. Um, but if you learn to do that, and I, again, I, I literally, our dog sitter was about to have a seven level neck fusion uh, after 10 years of, again, trying everything, including physical therapy, where again, people just let her down. And this is where we continue to want to demand better. Uh, so I don't know what we have to do to get these concepts out there that there are muscles in there, but I want to figure out, again, you talked about you know, breaking it down into the anatomy, the soft tissues, but if we learn to engage those muscles and with TMJ, and I actually talked to a lot of dentists and I'm just networking with a bunch of dentists here in Colorado where I say, Hey, do you get a lot of TMJ folks who are grinding their teeth or all these kind of things? And I do dry needling here now, and I have a great application where, again, I, New York is one where physical therapists cannot do dry needling, where you guys are, uh, where I used to practice. But Colorado, I'm allowed to do everything. It's great. Um, so dry needling into the, the jaw, the TMJ area, right, uh, I have found really great results with getting folks to grind their teeth less, to snore less, to start to open up and relax those muscles. So I threw a lot at you as, as well. So I know we're, we're all three of us are very uh, – uh, tangential and we go into long <laughs> pieces. So, but, but we're going to try to pull it back to asking the question of uh, how does TMJ connect to all this TMJ issues? Uh, and, and yeah, what do you think are ways we can educate the folks, uh, the consumer about uh, and to, to Corona's question earlier, what does a dentist need to be able to, to kind of communicate or say, I have someone who can help you with this or, or how, how does that work for you? So that's a great question. So the first part of what you brought up was forward head posture. If you look at people that walk in, every kid and every adult that has an airway problem, their, their ears should be over their shoulders. Now, if you told them to do that, they would die. Yeah. <laughs> their airway would close off. It would absolutely close off. And then the other thing is when they forward posture, 
Think about what their C-spine is doing. Now it's almost compressing on their airway, right? So the interesting thing is you brought up my partner, Michael Gelb. There is no one in this world that's better at treating and teaching TMD than Michael Gelb. Him and his father were so far ahead of their time. And, and the fact is, not that I poo-pooed what Michael did. I didn't know what Michael did, Bo, when I met him. What happened was the way I met him was I knew who he was. I noticed that a lot of my adult patients in my ortho program had significant TMD problems. And I reached out to him. And I realized what he does, him and his father do, is they, they make a repositioner and it brings someone's jaw down and forward. So no one walks into a dental office and says, Hey, doc, I have an airway problem, right? Unless you read the book Breath, no one knows. What do they walk in with? They walk in with masseter pain or jaw pain or broken teeth. And that's where a dentist could have that paradigm shift of looking at someone that's grinding and clenching and being like, wait, why are they grinding and clenching? Right? They're going into fight or flight. It's, it's, it's the way I describe it is you get pulled over for speeding by the cops, right? What happens? Your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up and you start doing this. So if you have an airway problem, you could be doing that 200 times a night. So all of your clients that come in that write down they're on multiple meds for blood pressure, they have an airway problem because their BP, think about how crappy you feel for that 20 seconds when you get pulled over. So if you're doing that 200 times a night, that's why my patients had heart failure, AFib, cardiovascular comorbidities. So the issue is like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Did the TMD problem cause the airway problem or did the airway problem cause the TMD problem? And the clenching and grinding is really a sequela a lot of times from an airway problem. So what Michael Gelb does, and you brought it up about like the athletic appliance, Under Armour a couple of years ago came out with their performance appliance. The issue was though, they left people with their jaws back. And what, get, what Michael Gelb and his father did 30 years ago was bring someone's jaw down and forward. And what they realized was not only did it address the TMJ pain and it got rid of it, it also helped people sleep better and eliminated their snoring. So they were really, really ahead of their time. So if you do this, I always tell people, try to make a snoring sound just sitting here like this. But if you bring your jaw forward like a bulldog, right? You can't make the same sound. And that's really what an appliance that a dentist can make or just using it to perform, right? Using the lower part in sports, get your airway open. That's what we, you know, David and I were talking about doing VO2 max testing on athletes, right? Have them either ride a bike, get on a treadmill, and then let's look at them with and without our appliance. But you haven't done that yet. <laughs> we're in the. We're about yeah, to. Yeah. For any for anyone listening who doesn't know what a VO2 max test is, it's the old Gatorade commercials where folks would have the big mask on them, and it's measuring how well 
you're able to bring oxygen in and push carbon dioxide out. Again, how well your airways ultimately functioning and your entire cardiorespiratory system is. Uh, the elite endurance athletes will have very high numbers. Obviously, uh, Lance Armstrong has one of the highest recorded, I believe, in history and, and things like that. So that's that's very cool, though. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, very interesting stuff. And, and, and I'll give credit back to physiology first. Uh, a lot of the stuff you just talked about, back to this ADD concept, is skills over pills is, is the term yeah. that I'll steal from them. And again, that comes back to learning how to breathe, learning how to breathe into your belly. That's something we didn't touch on yet. But that yeah. the more you engage the nasal breathing that almost instantaneously gets you to breathe into your belly, which a lot of people have deficient diaphragms that now we're talking about going down to back pain, how all of this is connected. When yeah. People are not breathing properly. They're breathing up with their chest. If you're talking about in this fight or flight constant state, you're taking 23,000 breaths a day. A stat I'm surprised we haven't brought up yet in this, in this chat. And uh, you know, that's a lot of opportunities to either breathe and continue to tighten up certain things or to bring you down when you belly breathe, you're massaging your vagus nerve, which tells your brain, hey, everything's cool and we're going to rest and digest. So to a lot of the things you're talking about, these are the skills we're talking about. I want to bring it back a little practical if we can to the symptoms you're talking about. So if somebody has snoring and if whether they know it or not, if their partner tells them, like, I know if I have a little too many drinks, my wife will be like, hey, you snored last night. Uh, and she'll give me a little, little slap. Um, so the, the, the question becomes, if they do have that and their doctors are not prescribing them again, is it just, let's find what, what are the top, uh, practitioners that we can find? Like you're saying, personal trainers are a great example. People who work in fitness, you might even be working with someone there, but if you bring up, Hey, like I noticed I'm snoring. Do you have any solutions for snoring? Uh, I want to get a little more clear. If you can give us an answer on like, what should we be doing? Should we be doing a sleep study? Should we be finding a, uh, is there a term, an airway specialist? Um, are, are there ways to look at that for the consumer to, to, to have that walk away? Yeah, so there's a, in terms of dentistry, I'll, I'll touch on the dentistry part first. So every single dentist in my mind is an airway dentist. Because if a dentist is making a night guard for a patient, they're treating someone's airway. If you're doing a night guard for a patient for clenching, grinding, the person has an airway problem. So that's really the message that Gelb and I are trying to get across is if you're seeing these patients, and you see it every single day, a patient that has wear on their teeth, they have an airway problem. So every dentist is really starting to recognize that airway is something that they see every single day. And the ADA actually released a paper requiring every dentist to evaluate airway, Bob. So that is becoming really a big part of dentistry. In terms of medicine, whether it's a pulmonologist, an EMT, a cardiologist, or your primary care physician, they're looking at airway and sleep. I think sleep testing should become part of every physical that someone has now. Now, the other part of it is, David and I were talking about it, I think it's the same thing for people that are going to sign up with you guys for fitness, or either it's a professional team or a sports team or a college team. Everyone should have their airway evaluated for a problem, right? And then also we have a pillow, we have a mouthpiece. There's a lot of different adjuncts. The issue is, and David brought it up before, in adults, it's really an incurable disease. In kids, you can cure it. If you get a kid early, get them in the proper orthodontics, get them in what's called myofunctional therapy, which is really physical therapy for tongue posture. You could really fix the problem in kids. 
what you can do in adults is you can mitigate symptoms and get people feeling better and sleeping better. So, so, but, is, but yeah, sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, finish, finish. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, I was going to say, the, the way I, when I lecture, I always bring up the FedEx logo, right? If you look at the FedEx logo between the E and the X, there's a white arrow. I can never unsee the white arrow. <laughs> so when I talk to dentists and physicians, I never want them to unsee someone that comes in that's snoring and that has wear on their teeth. Because that's the sign of a bigger, bigger problem. And to me, there's really no such thing as benign snoring. Obviously, if you're drinking and your pharyngeal dilator muscles from alcohol, you know, alcohol is a sedative, it's going to affect it. But if someone's snoring on a daily basis, they really need to be evaluated. Yeah, my, my, my question is this, man. Um, you're a damn good dentist, restorative dentist. You were a damn good dentist, still are. It's You missed it. Let's go back to the beginning. You missed it. So, yeah. so, so in an age where like we talk about training and therapy and what we see and what people miss or they don't do an assessment or something, we, we have ways to figure that out. How do we inform the consumer to get, how, how do you evaluate it? How do you figure out off of an, like we have an interview with, with a, with a trainer, we'll say try five trainers and we'll tell you off of inception, if no one does an assessment on you, that means that there's no plans for the house. They're just ad hoc in this thing. How do you suggest, because you as good as you are said you missed it. How do you suggest that someone go find the right person or the right dentist, the airway specialist, however you want to call it, to, to get them from point A to point B? Sorry, I'm going to add a piece there. I don't know what just happened to my mouth. I was playing with all the all the tongue pieces there. So... Uh, I will add a piece to that Corona to ask again, like, yeah, if I'm a consumer and I've, and I've gotten assessed, how do I know as a consumer that this dentist checked my airway? Is it as simple yeah. as saying, Hey, yeah. um, or if they're assistant, cause again, a lot of times you get the uh, dental hygienist or whatever, who's doing part of the exam. So, you know, we're just sitting there, ah, our, our mouth open. Oh yeah. You know, kids are good. And, and the weather's this and, and, and then, you know, everything looks good or you have a little bit of a wear down. Let's get you a bike plate or whatever. Does that mean they definitely checked our, our airway or is there more to that conversation? Is there, is there specific things we can be asking them? So what Michael and I did was we created a learning management system to potentially train every single dentist in the country to look at airway and to simplify it. And really what we modeled it after was Invisalign. And the reason I say Invisalign is because Invisalign was really simple. They train every dentist, they certify them and they give them an appliance. It's really easy. But the better thing that Invisalign did was they marketed to the public. They went right to the consumer. And if you see it now, everyone walks in and says, all right, I want Invisalign. So that's what we're really trying to do. We're trying to launch a marketing campaign to the consumer about if you're snoring, it's not normal. Right. If you're sleeping with a CPAP, it's not normal. And we've normalized that our society. We've normalized that. stuff. So I think it's really more about raising awareness. It's about being on podcasts. It's about meeting guys like you and spreading the word to your clients. It's about talking to our physicians, talking to moms, you know, of kids. I mean, think about it. You want to talk about a powerful market. You talk to parents. 
whose kid is is struggling, that's how you make some headway. What about well, what about dentists? You're starting the the program, but what can we? How do we get to the dentists to yeah. say, hey, you missed this within physical therapy? You know, there's a similar kind of push to a lot of physical therapists, especially when they're more in the sports ortho performance space, tend not to check vital signs, uh, meaning blood pressure and things like that, that we're supposed to kind of check every single session. Um, so that's the question there is, is it's, it is an opportunity every time you have someone in the chair. There's a lot of other things going on. Um, is is there a way other than your certification that that down the line? Uh, if there's a dentist listening to this and I plan to get this to every dentist, I know uh, that they can, they can hear this and say, you know what? You're right. I should be checking this that I might've been missing. So what happens in medicine and dentistry is that we treat symptoms, right? Someone comes in with a broken tooth and what do we do? We put a crown on it or someone comes down and all their teeth are worn down. And we say, you know what, Mrs. Jones, we got to take all your teeth out and do implants. Mm -hmm. But you're treating a symptom. Right. Why did that person walk in looking like that? No one should break a tooth and no one's teeth should wear down like that. So if your dentist is just fixing the symptom and not addressing the root cause, I, I don't want to say it, and I and I love say the it. fact that the dentistry, and I miss it. Say it. Say it. You, you, <laughs> you, you, you got to find a better practitioner because it's not about it's not about teeth. And I, I know that's weird as a dentist to say it, but when I say that I've screwed it up, I used to fix teeth all the time, and I did it at the highest level you could do it at, and I still had things break because I missed what was happening. Your teeth should touch for 15 minutes a day. You have to breathe for 1,440 minutes a day. What do you think is more important? Staying alive and thriving or your teeth? <laughs> yeah. and, but, but you laugh about it, but I have this argument with dentists all the time because I was in it. And right. I would be like, nope, I gotta get the person's bite perfect in this. And right. I had a dentist the other day that we trained and she said, well, my friend said, if we wear your appliance that's going to keep your airway open, it's going to change your bite. And I said, all right. I said, do me a favor. Have the person call me. He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, when that person's teeth look great in the casket, you think I give a shit? Right. What do you, you, you think is more important, keeping the person alive? And that's the paradigm shift. And if you mm -hmm. talk to Gelb about it, he'll say the same thing, right? It's not about teeth. It's about airway. I'm not, but the other part of it, Bo, is I'm not telling the dentist not to fix teeth. The right. patient still needs their teeth fixed and they still want to look great, but why not do the dentistry and have it more predictable and last longer than the dentistry I did? Yeah. And, and again, this is where, like I said, I've been, I've been trying to connect with dentists just for the TMJ issue alone because that feels like the, the path in, but now I'm, I'm, my wheels are turning of, every dentist seems like they should have a list of fitness yep. providers and be they, they're ultimately like you're like you kind of alluded to, I think at the very beginning of this is, is we have these uh, this a primary care approach. So we are the first responders. We are the first practitioners, whether it's dentists, Absolutely. whether it's personal trainers, and we need to be able to say, Hey, you should be, there's, there's pieces missing here. Um, and it's not just like you said about fixing that. And so the other part of that, I wanted to, to, uh, touch on and because I would normally make the statement, but because you're here as an expert uh, on the teeth, 
uh, I want to double check that this statement is correct. So we tend to not think of the teeth as bones. And again, we just did an episode about aging and osteoporosis and osteopenia and sarcopenia. But if there's stuff going on with your teeth, think about what's going on with your bones. And we tend to be a little bit uh, more cognitively aware of the fact that if our bones are now weaker or we have a hip joint issue or a knee issue, we need a total knee replacement. And, it, and that it, there's still that piece of like, well, why is that knee wearing down? And why is there bone on bone? Same thing with the teeth. Again, if the teeth are breaking, if the teeth are having wearing down effects, why is nobody saying, let's take a few steps back and let's avoid a lot of these issues as well as let's make sure we're addressing not just, like you said, the, the teeth, uh, the, the, the visual, but also, again, where is this coming from? <laughs> I think it's so the, the fixing teeth is a lucrative business. It is. And I think that creating a paradigm shift, it needs to start at the schools. It needs to, it, the curriculums have to be different. They have to start implementing it. And they need to start really training younger dentists to look at these things. Because, right? Because what, what's going to happen is this a dentist is going to start looking at airway and sleep and giving sleep tests. And what's the patient going to say? Why are you asking me about my airway and snoring? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's going to happen. So the answer is a couple of things. The first answer is, well, you know what, Mrs. Jones, the research is showing now that when you have an airway issue or your airway is smaller, it's going to cause your teeth to break down. Just like when you go into fight or flight and you clamp down, you could be doing that at night. So instead of you being in my office, every six months spending $2,000 for crowns, let's get ahead of the problem. So that would be my first kind of response to it. The other thing is that so many of us, myself included, would make night guards. And that's it. And Bo, you, you brought up the TMJ part. I know you should never say never, but I'm going to say <laughs> you should never make an upper flat plane night guard. And so many of your clients that come in with TMJ problems are coming in with the night guards that I made that I probably made people worse. Because mm -hmm. what would happen? I take someone that was very narrow, like Corona, <laughs> and, if he, and, and if I did veneers on them, I'd be like, you know what, David? I'm gonna do these, this $20,000 worth of veneers, but I wanna give you this night guard to protect your investment. So nothing breaks. Well, you know what? If I give him an upper flat plane splint, like what I did for 15 years, I probably are going to make Corona worse because I'm taking up tongue space. And not only that, when his jaw, his lower jaw hits a flat plane splint, guess where it's going? Back. And what's attached to his lower jaw? His tongue. And that's the biggest obstructor of the airway. So it's interesting. When you talk about bone on bone, I'm not even talking about teeth. And I learned this from Gelb. So if you put your pinkies in your ears this way, and I don't know if I'll... We can't hear you. We can't <laughs> you hear got, you. You got to put the AirPod back in. 
We can't hear you. <laughs> oh, I think we we we've having oh he's muted for some reason. You're muted. You're muted. I'm unmuting. Put both pinkies. <laughs> Just try this. Okay. So when you have a client, put both pinkies in in your ears facing forward and open and close. And if their jaws are back, we call it skeletal class two, you'll feel their condyle hitting the fossa. And a lot of people have muffled ear sounds because the fossa of your lower jaw is right underneath your ear. And that's, a, and that's a good way to do it. So what Michael did, th so this is my lower gelb appliance. It's a lower night guard. And what it does is it brings my lower jaw down and forward. Sorry, to be clear, are we supposed to be feeling that condyle hitting? Uh, no, that means our, our jaw is too far. Too far back. Back. So we, what Michael Gelb and his father created was a condyle position of what's called a Gelb 4-7. And what it does is it takes your condyle from here and brings it down and forward. So this would be the front of the mouth. And that's what they do by opening up your airway and also relieving a lot of the TMJ pain that patients have. So what happens is a lot of times in women, they'll have a lot of bad masseter pain and that's where the needling really help, helps. And in men, we get it up here in the temporalis more. Wow, just wow. Wow, 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 wow. There is a lot here. Um, <laughs> we, uh, other than our little technical difficulty at the end there, uh, I, I want to wrap it up here. I know there's a lot uh, fascinating stuff. I love it. I think at the end of the day, to summarize a little bit, we're saying demand better from youth, let's say for, for the youth to make sure that's when you can really make an impact. So if you have someone, what is the age limit? Is it similar to bone development? We're talking in you know, maybe 21 or it's a little different for everyone when, when we can still make that impact when we say youth. I, I think you can make an impact up to someone who's 80. I don't think you're going to fix the problem per okay. se, right. but I well, think you but, can mitigate you, symptoms, you, but youth in terms of really fixing the problem permanently, I think someone under the age of 10. Under 10. Okay. Cause I thought it yeah. might've been just about bone development. So, right. So James Nestor talks about, again, changing that nasal breathing concept and which and you getting, can do in adults. Right. Which yeah. Right. You can do in adults. That, that's what, saying, yeah. right. You, you, you said something earlier where you said, uh, once you're an adult, you can't make that change. So maybe we're, we were talking, we were, I yeah. misheard you. No, no, you about. can make the change. What I said was, I think snoring and sleep apnea and, and mostly sleep apnea is an incurable disease mm. in adults. What you can do is you can mitigate symptoms by doing what James did in terms of improving nasal breathing, getting better, uh, you know, a larger airway utilizing orthodontics, whether you can do palatal expansion or upright lower teeth and give someone better tongue space. Because a lot of it is based on nasal patency and also tongue position. Mm, gotcha. Thank you for clarifying. Um, so we got, we have that piece of it. Uh, let's, let's, let's tie in, let's tie in the fitness piece. Let's make sure we wrap this when we wrap this all up. Um, give us your thing in terms of breathing. Cause I know performance is going to be improved if you can breathe. 
pretty simple. And your recovery yep. is going to be better because <laughs> it's pretty simple stuff. Let's as we as you as we put a ribbon around this. Let's let's talk about the fitness component and what your thoughts are about the fitness component in conjunction with the airway issue, so that they they can have a final take on it. So I think that the more someone could get up and exercise, the better they're going to sleep, the better their airway will be and the better their performance will be. And I think it really is bi-directional. I think it's more important than the nutritional component. I think that sleep is really a lever as, as well as fitness. So I think they really tie in together. And I think that, but something that's really important and relevant is this. Someone who's obese, that goes to the physician, what does the physician say? Go lose weight. But you know what? If that person's exhausted, it's going to be hard for them to go to the gym. So those are people that really need their airway to be addressed prior to going to meet you and Bo because they got to, one, they need to be able to lose weight, but they got to be, have enough energy to be able to go to the gym and do the work. And I think that's really, really important to understand that. It's not like someone could be like weigh 300 pounds and go see Corona or a bow and say, all right, I'm here. Let's do it. And five minutes in they're white. Yeah. They need to be able to be well rested and have that reparative sleep. And if they don't have an open airway, it's not going to happen. So those are the people that really need a CPAP. Or, an, or what we call an oral appliance, because then it's gonna help them perform better at the gym, which is super, super important. And then that's how they're gonna be able to lose weight. It's all about exercise and movement. Real, real quick in, in a lot of that, uh, and maybe for the personal trainers out there or anyone else in, in even the physical therapy space, do you have, other than short of the VO2 max testing, which I think is phenomenal if we can get that those types of studies done, but in practical space, do you think that there's, that kind of gap where whether we're looking at maybe blood oxygen saturation right on the finger um, that we a lot of folks probably learned about with with uh, coronavirus, not this Corona, the other Corona. Um, <laughs> but uh, any anything else like that practical that you think would be useful or do you look at or or you, or is that a little bit outside of um, what you're looking at in terms of improving oxygen capacity? Uh, no, I think it's a great point. I think that when David and I first sat down, I said to him, I think actually utilizing home sleep testing is a great measure for your clients. And not only that, it's a great before and after. Get them doing fitness, get them feeling great, get them sleeping better, and then do follow-up sleep testing. It's a great metric. What do you mean by at-home sleep testing? So a lot of the testing that we do now is we used to have people go to a sleep lab. Yeah. Yeah. Now they use wearables. Oh, okay. Such as a watch pad, a little bit different than that because it gives us a lot more information. It gives us what's called the apnea hypopnea index, which is what a lot of physicians go by. And also it, it shows a lot of times what your autonomic nervous system do, is doing, which is super, super important. We touched on that a little bit. You said it about rest and digest, obviously the parasympathetic versus sympathetic. So that's something that's really important 
at looking at heart rate. I don't love apnea hypopnea index, and I think that's the metric that a lot of physicians use. But I'll give you an example. I took a sleep test. My numbers were 3.8. So according to the insurance company and the durable medical equipment company, I was fine. But I wasn't fine. I was snoring. I was tired. I was getting up to go to the bathroom to urinate a lot. So I had a problem, but according to my study, I was fine. So I don't love the metrics. I love really looking at heart rate, heart rate variability, and also what the autonomic nervous system is doing in terms of, you know, is your blood pressure and heart rate going up and down? Because that's a really good sign of how often is that person going into fight or flight? And that's when the people are breaking teeth, the clenching, the grinding, things like that. And that's when they're seeing you with the with the TMJ symptoms. Well, listen, I, we could talk all yeah. day because I'm going to say this to you. Lane, you are tremendously interesting. And I seriously, we could do another. We, I'm being serious, man. Even though we're friends, we could do another episode just on this because I think it's vitally, vitally important for people to understand um, the importance of a breath, to be perfectly honest, and how to get a good breath. But I first want to thank you, Lane, for being with us and for taking time out of your day. I know you're tremendously, tremendously busy. Um, we will definitely put out some information stuff on Lane in our post-show notes so you guys can get some information from Lane. I'd also like to thank for all the, all the listeners for spending time with us today. Um, without you guys, we really don't exist. And we'd really like for you to like, write a review share or subscribe to our podcast i'd also like to remind you that we are sponsored by fit care physiotherapy where the idea is to focus on your fitness so you stay out of the healthcare system kind of everything we just talked about that's everything we're talking about so dr lane thank you very much to the listeners thank you very much and we'll catch you on the next demand better but remember to demand better and to listen to all the old episodes and martillo <laughs> Thanks for making it this far. Before you take off, please don't forget to share this with at least one person you think might benefit from it. And hopefully you got 1% better. If you did, also would really mean a lot. Help us grow. Leave a rating, review. Tell us what you liked or didn't like, what we can do better. We're always hoping to demand better from ourselves as much as we demand better from everyone else. So hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you guys next time.